Hello and welcome to this week's Talking Pharmacy podcast. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and joining me on the pod this week are Arthur Walsh, editor of Pharmacy Network News, Neil Trainis, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist, and we're delighted to welcome back to the pod the new editor of Training Matters, Monica West. Rob Darricott is away enjoying the delights of beautiful Krakow. So lots to talk about, tons of stuff going on. Let's start straight away with Good Week, Bad Week. Monica, congratulations on your appointment as TM editor. What's your good week or bad week? Hi, Richard. Thank you so much. So I'm going to go with good week this week because we've actually just extended our entry deadline for the Recognition of Excellence Awards 2022. Um, I'm super proud to say we've had such a fantastic influx of really high quality entries already. So this is kind of our final call to action to make sure you get your nominations in you can nominate your pharmacy team a colleague or even enter yourself just to make sure all the hard work being done in community pharmacy over the last year has been recognized um notably this year we have a brand new category which is our health equality award it's designed to recognize an individual who has identified and tackled health inequalities in their community so Um, I'm really excited to hear about all that. And equally, if you yourself or your colleagues shine on giving advice at the counter, a retail savvy or stand out in the delivery of your pharmacy services, there are categories to suit. So you can see them all on the Training Matters website, trainingmatters.co.uk forward slash recognition of excellence awards. So yeah, make sure you don't miss out. Thanks, Monica. Yeah, nominations nearly closed then for Recognition of Excellence Awards. But um, yeah, like Monica's saying there, there's still time, still time to get your nominations. And if you want to nominate uh, one of your wonderful support staff members or indeed any support staff members listening to the podcast, then you've still got time to get your nominations in. And like Monica said, details on the TM website. Okay, great start. Um, Neil, let's go to you next. And good week or bad week? Well, it's been a bad week for NHS England and all those local commissioning bodies that were overseeing the phase three COVID booster rollout programme. Um, because as much as we've heard from the government, and, and rightly so, that pharmacists have played a significant role during the COVID vaccine programme in its entirety. Um, and we heard then the then vaccines minister, Nadim Zahawi, saying wax, waxing lyrical about pharmacies and how important they, they are to the, the vaccine rollout. And again, rightly so. But when you look at the figures, which we obtained, uh, via a freedom of information request, the numbers don't really back up. Um, Zahawi's platitudes, um, if, I'm, if I'm being being honest, um, and how important pharmacies were, how important he said pharmacies were. Frankly, they weren't uh, utilised to the extent that they should have been. Um, our FOI, in fact, actually, we sent out two freedom of information requests. I, ICP did, um, and a colleague of mine also sent uh, uh, an FOI out to NHS England. And we've got conflicting, actually, we've got conflicting figures from NHS England on the number of pharmacies that actually submitted an application to take part in phase three boosters. And we've actually, had to send another uh, freedom of information request to NHS England to actually ask them to explain the disparity in those figures. Um, so it would be interesting to see what they come back with there if they do. Um, but what was interesting were the figures they supplied for the number of pharmacies such that, that were commissioned uh, to provide boosters, uh, phase three boosters. Um, and according to NHS England, um, we got figures for 100 vaccination a week sites, uh, 350 vaccination a week sites, and those sites that were delivering 1,000 vaccinations a week, the larger scale sites. And of the 100 vaccination a week sites, 611 pharmacy sites 
were commissioned out of 3,412 that submitted a, an application. Um, on the 350 vaccinations a week, uh, 369 sites out of 15, over 1,500 were commissioned. And on the 1,474 out of 712. So you can see the the kind of, um, uh, just, you know, the, the figures could have been better, I, I think. Um, I don't know what you guys think. Um, and the question clearly then is, you know, why were so many pharmacies that were ideally placed to provide boosters turned down? Um, and that's a really interesting question. We also heard uh, that the pharmacies that were given the green light to provide boosters had to wait a, a long, long time for you know a response, and, 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 and in some cases, having their application approved. That took a long, a hell of a long time. Daisy Cooper, the Lib Dem MP, I, I don't know if our listeners saw the blog that she um, wrote on her website in December, and she said that on average, pharmacies had to wait six weeks for approval by NHS England. One pharmacy had to wait 78 days, which is, um, I think, ridiculous. Um, less than she said, well, she also said less than half, uh, le uh, less than a third of pharmacies that applied to deliver boosters were accepted by December the third, um, and just over 1,300 community pharmacy sites were actually providing the service by that by that day. So, you know, it's it it just doesn't read as well as it could have done. Um, the NPA, we did contact the. National Pharmacy Association, and they told us that uh, many of its members found that the process of applying was you know, frustrating and, and the communication to pharmacy owners wasn't always great. Um, and this is, they said, you know, having, this is what they said, they said, having done a lot of work to put together an application and having put themselves and their teams on standby, some of them had to wait, had to had a long wait for any, any kind of response. Um, now, I noticed um, on Twitter, the English Pharmacy Board Chair, Thorin Govind, uh, recently, she, she went to Downing Street where she met Boris Johnson um, and you know, uh, Pretty Patel, I think as, as well. I don't know if uh, Mr. Zahai was there, but anyway, she she met Boris and and, and Pretty, and uh, uh, and she tweeted that it was fantastic to speak about the to meet Boris and speak about the important role of pharmacies in vaccinating the nation and during the pandemic and what a great job pharmacies. It would have been, and I don't know whether you know Thorin did this, but it would have been nice if she'd you know, mention some of this stuff to, to, to Boris and uh, the fact that, uh, you know, pharmacies weren't actually utilised by the government, by NHS England, uh, particularly during the boosters programme, we've just heard the stats, to the extent they should have been. So, you know, um, it would have been nice if she'd mentioned that and and uh, why maybe questioned why so many pharmacies that were perfectly placed um, weren't weren't utilised and why and, and we still haven't had a reasonable explanation for that. Uh, I guess we'll never know. Knowing NHS England, we probably won't have an answer to that. So, a bad week, NHS England and those local commissioning bodies. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Um, I mean, the fact that so many contractors uh, applied for Phase 3, the COVID booster programme, I mean, that was fantastic, wasn't it? Um, a real sign of the can-do attitude that the sector showed in spades during the pandemic. Well, during the pandemic, what are we, with 2,000 hospital admissions and rising, so it's far from over, isn't it? But... But yeah, like you say, Neil, lots of frustration out there over the process of, of applying and and the lack of communication from from NHSC um, and, and a discrepancy in the figures. Arthur, what's what's your take on this? Yeah, I thought it was a great story by Neil, and um, certainly certainly the application process seems to have been handled pretty shoddily by NHS England, particularly in the in the the first stages of, of the of the vaccination program and 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 the booster program as well. But um, I guess my sort of the, the question I have in mind is sort of will NHS England learn from this um, one of the things that I remember from the last time is how instrumental the public um, 
kind of the pressure from the public on the government and from the media on the topic of, of you know, why, why aren't pharmacies being allowed to vaccinate? I remember how, how instrumental that seemed to be in, in sort of encouraging a U-turn um, on, I think this is the first stage of the, the vaccination program rather than the boosters. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, when Neil's story shows that it sort of, it went on to be handled in a, in a, in a way that didn't prioritize pharmacies and you would hope that you know that the nhs would learn from it but again sort of um as neil says they can they can sometimes be a bit of closed thinking in 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 the in nhs england and um and and perhaps a bit of group think so so who knows yes we'll we'll wait to see what form the service will take next winter and, and whether NHSE, like you say, Arthur, really does learn from from the experience of, of, of the past winter and and embraces the the sector uh, as a key provider of, of booster jobs and actually makes the the process easier and, and more transparent um, for those who want to take part. All right, thanks everyone. Let's move on then. Um, Arthur, let's come to you next. Good week or bad week? I'm not sure, Richard. Um, I'm talking about Lloyd's Pharmacy this week. I've been going through their uh, accounts for the 2021 financial year, which have just gone online. And as I've been sort of sifting through the numbers, we just had the announcement this morning, uh, Thursday morning, that this the Lloyd's Pharmacy's sale to the Aurelius Group has concluded. Um, this is a 400 million sale that, w- that was announced towards the end of last year. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure... Um, looking at the figures, whether it's sort of a good or a bad week, I think definitely Lloyd's is trying to position it as an optimistic, uh, an optimistic announcement, um, looking at their losses for the 2021 financial year. So, so the 12 months to, to, to March, 2021, um, they did make a loss of a hundred million, a total loss of a hundred million, but this was down from a 170 million loss the previous year. So a 40% reduction in the loss and, um, looking at the operating loss that was, um, brought down even more by about 70% to 35 million. So, I mean, still a difficult year, another difficult year for Lloyd's, but seem to be turning um, some of the, some of this around. Um, some of the uh, reductions in expenses that contributed to the, to, to the reduced loss were uh, brought about by closing more stores. There's about seventy five stores closed in the twenty twenty one financial year, and um, so there was a resulting loss in expense in those stores and in staff wages. Um, I think about 700 staff have been let go um, in the, the 12 months to March, 2021. Um, but um, so, so, so some, some of their costs have brought down, but also that that's led to kind of reduced turnover. So um, to difficult things to, to balance there. Um, but more optimistic news for, for the company on the digital uh the digital front and um, the Lloyd the echo service which it was rebranded last year as Lloyd's direct has gone from strength to strength really um during the pandemic and now if you look at EPS nominations it's very close to to pharmacy to you whereas if you kind of looked at the 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 scores table at the beginning of the pandemic pharmacy to you would have been streets ahead and and Lloyd's a very distant second so they say that in the 2021 uh, financial year they're they're Lloyd's Direct, so that's the, the the kind of online mail order prescription service that grew by seven hundred percent, seven hundred thirty one percent, and their online doctor service increased by ten percent. So they say they're kind of 
are very much still um, facing a uh, very much including their uh, brick and mortar community pharmacy estate in their strategy. It's very still very important to them. But I mean, you kind of you see which way the wind is blowing, um, and the digital sides of the business seem to be um, in much better health. So you kind of wonder what whether there's going to be kind of more efficiencies in the years to come in the bricks and mortar, particularly with a new owner. Um, there's that. There's always a big uh question mark you know when you have a new owner how, what's their approach going to be um so yeah i think it's uh i'm, I'm not sure is it, is it a good or a bad week but definitely interesting times for the company yeah it's interesting times indeed say so the sale uh to aurelius completed um i bet the set of financials arthur yeah for sure and uh those lloyd's direct um nominations looking very healthy and, and closing the gap there on, on pharmacy to you, aren't they? Um, yeah, Lloyd's Pharmacy, they're very much in the news at the moment, aren't they? Not not always receiving the the best press. Um, but like you say, Arthur, we'll we'll see what happens now under the, the new ownership. All right. Um, well, we're rattling through today. Me to finish. Uh, and I'm going to go for a good week uh, for the NPA uh, again. And for AIM, and here's why. Um, so now Rob's away, but one of the prof's mantras is that, that pharmacy bodies often tend to bang on about the problems and, and are less good and adept at suggesting solutions. Well, a couple of examples this week of both bodies suggesting uh, some very practical solutions to, to some current pressing issues. Um, the MPA first. So the trade body has thrown its weight behind a, a new report called Stronger Together Collaborative Primary Care at Scale, which is published by um, Public Policy Projects, which is a, a global public policy institute, uh, and HealthWorks, which is a think tank. Now, this was launched on Tuesday during a, a webinar session hosted by PPP, which we tuned into, and it was excellent. It, it featured representatives from the four independent contractor services in the NHS, including Michael Lennox, who is the MPA's local integration lead and, as listeners will note, chief executive of Somerset LPC. So this is all about highlighting how primary care providers can collaborate together to, to improve patient outcomes as the new NHS, NHS structures take shape. And, and some of the recommendations of the report, um, and I'll, I'll just read a few of them out, the commissioners should seek to develop a culture of co-production between the four primary care contractors um, acknowledge that the mixed economy supports the NHS and should note the importance of the principle of national consistency in design and delivery of services, but the contractors and commissioners work to what's called acceptable variability tailored at local level. Anyway, it's all good common sense, very timely, practical stuff, and I'd encourage our listeners to, to read the report and the details um, we'll put in the show notes to this pod. So well done to the MPA for taking part and, and contributing to that. Then we had AIM picking up on a, a discussion paper by another think tank, Policy Exchange, which was looking at reform in general practice and actually um, specifically at, uh, at enabling digital healthcare at scale. And AIM was looking at this in the context of the still stubbornly known num low number of referrals from GP practices to community pharmacy for the CPCS. Now, We've talked about this many, many times on the podcast. It's a postcode lottery. 
Um, in some areas, GP practices are involved in regularly referring patients to pharmacy. In many areas, they're not. And many GP practices aren't engaging because of time constraints. And they're worrying that the service adds even more work to their, their overstretched practices. So um, not reducing the workload, adding to the workload. So these referrals aren't happening. And one of the reasons is that the process isn't designed effectively. And AIM identified um, a particular aspect of this, and that's the IT connectivity. GP and pharmacy systems just aren't compatible or connected. Um, now, according to AIM, it would take a GP receptionist um, about 10 minutes to make a CPCS referral, which they don't have time for. And this also involves switching and logging in and out of their, their practice NHS mail account and clinical systems. So pharmacies have the same problems, um, switching in and out, logging in and out of two different systems. So it's just a clunky, clunky old system. And AIM makes the point that uh, surely an integrated IT system that would allow direct referrals from GPs to pharmacies, clinical computer systems would would go a long way towards alleviating some of these connection issues. Although AIM also makes the point that you know the better long-term solution is to allow um, self-referral of patients direct to the pharmacies. Anyway, some very good points, I think, well made by the MPA and AIM in different areas, um, drawing attention to some of these issues in the architecture of, of, of the service and of some of the new services uh, that are being rolled out. Let's hope people are listening and some of these major glitches can be ironed out. So that's my good week for uh, the MPA and for AIM. So um, that's nearly it for this week, but we have time for a quick any other business. Now, Neil, you want to uh, to bring something in here. Yes, yes, which is that time of year again. We're uh, building up to the Independent Pharmacy Awards at the House of Commons, uh, the biggest and best event in the pharmacy industry, and I would say that. Um, but we have... Uh, other than the Recognition of Excellence Awards. Other than the Recognition of Excellence Awards, of course. But we have um, we have two new categories this year. We've uh, expanded the awards. We have uh, Pharmacy Technician of the Year um, and Locum of the Year, and uh, two very, very important um, categories. Uh, the awards is expanding, ter- terrific awards, uh, movers and shakers at the House of Commons. Um, my my uh, message to our to our listeners is, um, you know, get, get, get your entries in. Uh, July the 18th is the deadline. Don't delay um, and enter as many of you as possible. The more the, more, the better. So, um, yep, IPA's uh, 2022 at the House of Commons, the entry process is open. Yeah, great stuff. Thank, thank you, Neil. Yep, get, get those entries in. Um, so that does bring us to a close for this week. Um, just a reminder that all the Talking Pharmacy podcasts are available on the Pharmacy Magazine website and from all your usual podcast providers. Just search for Talking Pharmacy. Um, but until next week, when we'll be back before Easter, from all of us, thanks very much for listening. Mm-hmm.